Hi, Greg Perry, the Historic Preservationist. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 13. We're going to get back in the groove with historic preservation um, this evening. And uh, so obviously we're talking historic preservation. We're talking about old stuff, old buildings. And uh, so whenever anyone um, attempts to restore, preserve, um, stabilize, first, first and foremost, you need, need to have a plan. You need to have a, a plan of intervention drawn up, whether it be through a restoration architect, which you're going to pay dearly for, through a typical dilapidated 18th century building, it could run you anywhere from fifteen, twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars, and you may not get the good information. Um, you're not going to get the good hands-on information from a restoration architect because they're going to sub they're going to sub work out. They're going to say they need a really top-grade preservation mason. They need a preservation roofer. Yada yada yada. So that's a problem. So everybody's getting their hand in the till. Um, if you can do it yourself or you have a, a preservation carpenter, um, historic preservationist or a, uh, architectural conservator, it's probably a better way to go. You're going to get the same, but a much more bang for your buck, you know, probably anywhere from four to six, seven, eight thousand. And, uh, you know, it can be a multiple page thing, 40, 60, 80, hundred pages. It's going to tell you the order of operation in which to do things and what to do. They're going to tell you the lean of the walls, where damp is coming in, um, deterioration of bricks, mortar, timber, you got bugs, whatever the case may be. So so let's uh, let's get started. Um, and uh, this is going to be put toward a, a future book uh, by me, the Historic Preservationist. So this is just going to be uh, just kind of wet the whistle type affair. So... But, you know, if you've ever felt a sense of excitement and mystery going on inside in an old building, whether occupied or vacant, it's probably because its materials and features resonate with the spirit of the past people and events that have taken place there. Yet excitement uh, about the unknown is heightened when a historic structure is examined architecturally, and its evolution over time emerges with increasing clarity to reveal the lives of its past occupants or its past business. So an architectural investigation is the crucial first step in planning the appropriate treatment. Understanding how a building has changed over time and assessing levels of deterioration. So whether as a homeowner making sympathetic repairs a craftsman or contractor replacing damaged or missing features, or a conservator reconstituting wood or restoring decorative finishes. Some type of investigative skill was used to recognize and solve these architectural questions or explain a different aspect of the work itself. So to date, very little has been written for the layman on the subject of architectural investigation. So this episode um, kind of addresses the often complex investigative process in broad, easy-to-understand terminology. The logical sequence of planning, investigation, and analysis presented in, in our episode is applicable to all buildings, 
geographic locations, periods, and construction types. It is neither a how-to or nor an exhaustive study on techniques or meticulous planning prior to work on our irreplaceable cultural resources. But so you have to remember, it's good for the happy homeowner to understand these queries we're talking about because chances are you as the happy homeowner are not going to be doing these things. But it's good to understand how conservator architectural preservationists, historic preservationists, will present these issues to you. You may not know all the technical aspects about what they're doing or all the dexterous skills required, but you're going to understand somewhat the language they're speaking, and that's very important not to be left in the dust. So first we've got to determine the purpose of investigation. So both the purpose and scope of investigation need to be determined before formulating a particular approach. For example, investigation strictly for research purposes could produce information for an architectural survey or for a historic designation application at a local, state, or national level. And, you know, I see it too many times in in many, because I'm broadcasting from South Jersey, uh, so many people would love to have their house on a historic list or this, this, that list. And you know what? It's, it's good. It's, it is a, number one, it is a protection of the house. Uh, I want everyone to be aware out there, but when you do this, you're tying into whatever group, whether it's the county, the state, local, federal, that they say what you can do to a limited extent, primarily to the exterior and sometimes to the interior of your dwelling. So you're, and you know, you could be doing this for reason of getting grants. Um, but once you tie into that, um, you don't have a lot of say sometimes of what can and can't be done. So keep in mind, um, and you may actually be doing the right thing and, uh, they just may be putting a halts on everything else you want to do up and beyond, say the exterior. So, uh, just, just, uh, buyer beware before you want to run out. And, and there's, there's people all over there, like, uh, on every street corner that can go and do this little bit of research for you on the computer and, you know, fill out the forms. And for, you know, maybe a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars they'll, they'll send the application and talk your place and be your proxy to get your house listed. So, but we're not worried about that here. That to me, that really doesn't mean a hell of a lot. What means a lot is saving historic objects, historic structures. So you have to determine the purpose of your investigation. Both the purpose and scope of investigation need to be determined before formulating any particular approach. You can't go helter-skelter running this and that. And and uh, and the problem is you, you can't go listening to 12 different people. Um, you need a standard from someone who has done this before, who's been involved, who's seen it happen. For example... Um, Investigation strictly for research purposes could produce information for an architectural survey or for a historic designation, as we just said. So within the framework, um, for instance, the Secretary of the Interior Standards for the Treatment of Historic Properties, he states that investigation is crucial for identifying, retaining, and preserving the basic form and detailing all those architectural materials and features that are important in defining 
the historic character. So don't ever forget, it's not just the details, it's the fabric of what those details are made of. So whether for repair or replacement, a rehabilitation project, for instance, might require an investigation to determine the historic configuration of interior spaces prior to partitioning a room to meet for a more compatible, quote, new use. And that's not what we're here at the Historic Preservationists. We're not, we're not dealing with anyone who's interested in wanting to do new use. We are about putting it back that as humanly possible, putting back what was originally there. So investigation for preservation work can entail more detailed information about the entire building, such as determining the physical sequence of construction to aid in interpretation. Investigation for a restoration project must be even more comprehensive in order to recapture the exact form, features, finishes, and detailing of every component of the building. And I must add here that sometimes an individual comes along that tries to save a building. Perhaps they don't have all the funds they need. Perhaps they don't have all the good advice they need. And they err on the side of doing less than more. But yet, they save that building from peril in its, in its present situation. So perhaps we must look at it that way. They're setting it up for the next person who has deeper pockets and is a little more informed and maybe stable in making the proper choices or has the good people around them. So there's different levels, and, and, and I am all for that. So uh, we, we need people to start saving buildings. We have a couple of local towns where literally the roofs are falling on in 18th and 17th century buildings, and you try to go through the state, the cities, the towns and cities try to go through the state to um, adhere to historic, uh, uh, you know, their historic demands. And in the meantime, it could take a couple of years by the time you get your paperwork in, one year, two year, and you could be in a situation where the roof's falling in. But sometimes these organizations don't even want you to put a, a bloody tarp on the roof to save it. I mean, how crazy is that? But that's your bureaucracy at work failing, letting your history fail before your eyes. So whether investigation will be undertaken by professionals, architects, conservators, historians, or by just interested homeowners, the process is essentially comprised of a preliminary four-step procedure. Historical research, documentation, inventory, and stabilization. Historic research, primarily historical research of an old building, generally encompasses written, visual, and oral resources that can provide visual site-specific information. Written resources usually include letters, legal transactions, account books, insurance policies, institutional papers, and diaries. Visual resources consist of drawings, maps, plats, paintings, photographs. Oral resources are people's remembrances of the past. Secondary resources, comprised of research or history, already compiled and written about a subject are also important for providing a broad contextual setting for this project at hand. Um, so historical research should be conducted well in advance of any physical investigation. 
This allows time for important written, visual, or oral information to be located, transcribed, organized, studied, and used for planning the actual work. But I must interject here. Um, you can start actually taking apart bad repairs, additions, and, and things that have been uh, that are totally you're aware of that are not original. So demolition, to an extent, can start to take place while you're doing this uh, research of the information. So a thoroughly thorough scholarly study of a building's history provides a responsible framework for the physical investigation. In fact, the importance of the link between written historical research and structural investigation can never be overestimated. For example, the historic research of a building through deed records may merely determine the sequence of owners. This in turn aids the investigation of the building by establishing a chronology and identifying the changes each occupant made to the building. So a letter may indicate that the occupant painted, say, the building in a certain year. So possibly some files at your local historical society contain the occupant's name and, say, maybe even paint analysis, which will yield the exact color. Two-dimensional documentary research and three-dimensional physical investigation go hand-in-hand analyzing historic structures. The quality and success of any restoration project is founded upon the initial search. So documentation. A building should be documented prior to any inventory. Stabilization or investigative work in order to recruit, record critical material evidence. A simple comprehensive method is to take photographs with your cell phone of all the wall of elevations, interiors, north, south, east, west, as well as general views and typical and unusual details or problems that you see occurring. The systematic numbering of rooms so you can keep track of them while contractors are working. Windows or doors on the floor plan will help organize this task as also be useful for labeling the photographs. Video coverage with annotated sound may supplement the still photographs. Additional methods of documentation include written descriptions, sketches, and possibly measured drawings. And again, it depends on your skill level and, and how deep your pockets are, if you, who you can afford to do what for you. So significant structures such as listed natural, national register properties, Historic landmarks um, benefit from professional photographic documentation and accurate <coughs> measure drawings. It should also be remembered that the documents created during investigation may play an unforeseen role in future treatment and interpretation for your dwelling. Documentation is particularly valuable when a feature will be removed or altered. So this dossier that you're providing should, after you, go on and on with the house. Inventory. The historic building and its components should be carefully inventoried prior to taking any action. Many times you'll find furniture and artifacts in the building, and they may relate back to the original owners. Premature cleanup of a structure or site can be a mistake. A careful look at all spaces and in and around the building may reveal loose architectural artifacts, fragile evidence, or clues 
to historic landscape features. This, though, or through observation, includes materials and features which have fallen off due to deterioration, fragments removed and stored in basements, attics, and outbuildings, and even sometimes materials which have seemingly been discarded. So in the beginning, anything that seems even remotely meaningful should be saved. The problem we get into here is that when you've had, you know, a multitude of uh, owners of the house and sometimes houses have been turned into boarding houses and and inns and taverns and and rental apartments and so too much fabric is lost. One has to be very uh, very careful um not careful, but I mean, if you're holding doors, windows, or shutters, you can tell with a simple eye if they were really mating up with the original building or they maybe they're hanging around for 150 years and they're not original at all. But a common mistake is to presume to know the value of artifacts or features at the beginning of a project. Even if the period of significance or interpretation is known from the beginning, evidence from all periods should be protected. Documentation for future study or uses includes labeling and, if possible, photographing prior to storage in a secure place. Stabilization. In many cases, emergency stabilization is necessary to ensure that the structure does not continue to deteriorate prior to a final treatment or to ensure the, ensure the safety of current occupants or any, even individuals walking on the sidewalk investigators, or even visitors. Although severe cases might call for structural remedies, in more common situations, preliminary stabilization would be undertaken on a maintenance level. Such work could involve installing a temporary roof, fixing weakened porch posts or components, etc. In addition, um, you may want to extend a roof keeping water off of walls, um, where mortar is having, you're having mortar failure and things of that, and divert water away from the, the building on the walls, uh, removing plants that hold water too close to the walls, or even securing a structure against intruding insects, animals, or even vandals. So an old building may require temporary remedial work on exterior surface, such as reversible caulking or a, um, uh, impermanent distinguishable mortar. Or if paint analysis is contemplated in the future, deteriorated paint can be protected without heavy scraping or applying a recognizable memory layer over all the historic layers. Stabilization adds to the cost of any project, but human safety and the protection of historical evidence are well worth the extra money. So again, some of these last key points um, can run you into a lot of money throughout the house. So um, you try to, um, from the assessment you have, make the right deci- decisions so you don't have to do something that's more uh, remedial or temporary and then reverse it. So let's talk about the uh, investigators and their investigative skills. So general and specialized skills. The essential skill needed for any level of investigation is the ability to observe closely and analyze. These qualities are ideally combined with a hands-on familiarity of historic buildings. And an open mind. You always have to keep your mind open. There's so many things going on, particularly with the, the speed at which you want to get your building moving, the restoration moving. 
Next, whether acquired in a university or in a practical setting, an investigator should have a good general knowledge of history, building design history, and most important, understand both construction, finished technologies, conservation, and restoration. But it's not enough to know architectural styles and building technology from a national viewpoint. The investigator needs to understand regional and local differences as well. While investigative skills are transferable between regions and chronological periods, investigators must be familiar with the peculiarities of any given building type and geographical area. Architectural survey and comparative fieldwork provides a critical database for studying regional variations in historic buildings. For example, construction practices can reflect shared experiences of widely diverse backgrounds and traditions within a small geographical area. Contemporary construction practice in an urban area might vary dramatically from that of rural areas in the same region. Neighbors or builders within the same geographical area often practice different techniques of constructing similar types of structures contemporaneously. So reliable dating clues for a certain brick bond used in one state may be unreliable for the same period in a different state. Regional variation holds true for building materials as well as construction. Finally, even beyond regional local variation, an investigator needs to understand that each building has its own unique history of construction and change over time. Form, features, materials, and detailing often vary according to the taste and finances of both builder and supplier. Construction quality and design were also inconsistent as they are today. Specialist on a team because architectural investigation requires a wide range of knowledge and many different skills. Various people are likely to interact on the same project. While homeowners frequently execute small-scale projects, more complex projects might be directed by a craftsman, an architect, or an architectural conservator. For large-scale projects, a team approach may need to be adopted, consisting of professionals interacting with additional consultants, such as a mason repairing a chimney and someone repairing a roof. This must be held simultaneously. Consulting specialists may include architectural historians, architectural conservators, craftsmen, historic finish analysis, historian, archaeologists, architects, curators, and many others to name a few. The scope and needs of a specific project dictate the skills of key players. Architectural investigation often includes the related fields of landscape and archaeological investigation. Landscape survey or analysis by horticulturalists or landscape architects identify pre-existing features or planning of those designed as separate or complementary parts of the site. Both above and below ground archaeology contribute information about missing or altered buildings, construction techniques, evidence of lifestyle, and material culture and about the evolution of the historic landscape itself. Architectural evidence 
And so let's talk about studying the fabric of this historic building you're involved with. Original construction and later changes. So in order to do this, you must do research prior to investigation, which may have indicated by the architect, builder, or a conservator. And this could determine the building's date of construction. In the absence of such information, architectural histories and field guides to architectural style can help identify a structure's age sometimes within 20 to 30 or 40 years through its form and style alone. Any preliminary date, however, has to be corroborated with other physical or documentary facts. Dates given for stylistic periods are general and tend to be somewhat arbitrary. With numerous local variations, overall forms and style can also be misleading due to subsequent additions and alterations in somewhat of the period style of the home in question. So, overall form and style can be misleading, but so the basic, when the basic form seems in conflict with the details, it's probably going to in indicate a transition between styles or a style that was simply upgraded through new work. So don't let us forget that um, the house or dwelling in question may have been built in a transitional style itself, um, you know, to do it more simplistically in regards to period furniture, say Queen Anne and Chippendale. So it's a transitional style would have been a trifid leg as opposed to a Queen Anne pad and a ball and claw field and a Chippendale chair. So that trifid with the sock would be in a transitional leg. So sometimes it's a bit deceptive and that 10, 20, 30 year period is difficult to, uh, you know, give a, an actual estimate of the age of the property. So the architectural investigation usually determines original construction details, the chronology of later alterations, and the physical condition of the structure. Most structures over 50 years old have been altered, even if only by natural forces. People living in a house or using a building for any length of time leave some physical record of their time there, however subtle it may be. A longer period of occupancy generally counts for greater physical change. Buildings acquire a historic character as changes are made over time. Changes to architectural form over time are generally attributable to material durability, improvement in convenience systems, and aesthetics. First, the durability of building materials is affected by weathering, temperature, and humidity, by disasters such as storms, floods, or fire, or by air pollution from automobiles and industry or the trains. Second, changes in architectural form have always been made for convenience sake. Fueled by technological innovations as people embrace better living, so to speak, which includes lighting, plumbing, heating, sanitation, and or communication. People alter living spaces to meet changing family needs also. Finally, people make changes to architectural form, features, and detailing to conform to current style and taste. Maybe it's local in the neighborhood or it's a regional basis or just a town. So in conducting your investigation, your architectural investigation, um, so this can range from a simple one-hour walkthrough to a month-long or even a multi-year project and varies from looking at surfaces 
to professional subsurface examination and laboratory work, which we can provide you at the Historic Preservationist. All projects should begin with the simplest, non-descriptive processes and proceed as necessary. The sequence of investigation starts with a reconnaissance and, and progresses to surface examination and even mapping, subsurface non-destructive testing, and various degrees of subsurface destructive testing. So we're going to end this uh, part one of uh, episode 13, season two, of investigating uh, your historic material of your property. Greg Perry, the Historic Preservationist, signing out. Thanks for listening.